This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Carr has to work quickly. Down to six seconds. Carr going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. Touchdown, most likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims. And welcome back to the Clear Jets podcast. We're here with Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. And boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to talk about. An emergency podcast. Sam Darnold officially traded to the Carolina Panthers for a six-rounder this year and a second and fourth next year. Michael, your initial thoughts. Um, this is definitely a lot more or a lot better of a package than I expected the Jets to get. I think we talked about it recently. I think we expected them to get maybe a third rounder is probably what we were expecting. Um, it, it did seem like the value had probably gone down a little bit with a lot of suitors off the board, the draft getting closer. Um, some reports that the league might not be too high on Darnold. Um, but this is a great package. Obviously, the second doesn't come till next year, but to get a second rounder in addition to a fourth and a sixth and no conditions with any of those picks either uh, is definitely a lot more than I expected. Um, and, and I think the if you add up the value of all those picks on the trade charts, it equates to a mid to high second rounder, about the 10th to 12th pick, somewhere in that range in the second round. Um, so like a high second round pick altogether. So it, very good value, I think, more than what I expected them to get. Yeah, I mean, we did a podcast over the weekend, um, which will I'll add it together, I guess, to make it make sense. We did a mock draft, so it's still relevant. But the first part of that episode, we did talk a little bit about Darnold. And the, the proposed trade that I assumed that he was going to go for was a third this year and then a third next year that could be a conditional second, depending on how well he played. So similar value, but I agree. I think, I think Joe Douglas got a hell of a haul. I mean, multiple picks. I mean, the draft is a crapshoot. So as many lottery tickets as you, as you can get, the higher chance it's going to bring contributors to this team. I mean, obviously the sixth rounder this year probably won't be anything, but you never know. Um, but the second rounder next year is obviously premium value. And the fourth is still a solid pick, just depending on, on how the Panthers do. Uh, it's tough because, you know, look, it, it, Sam was nothing short of an upstanding guy and, and, and uh, teammate in this locker room. I mean, he was great for the city. He said all the right things. He did all the right things. He was a really easy guy to root for. And I feel bad for him because I don't really feel like this is all on him. I do feel like he's a better quarterback than what we saw last year. I do feel like the Jets did a, a poor job building around him, surrounding him with a competent head coach, hell, a competent GM for the first year and a half of his career. Um, so it's unfortunate. I, I do think, as Joe Douglas said, that his NFL story isn't written. Um, but it made, it made sense for both teams. And I'll say this, I think it's a win, win, win. I think it's a win for the jets. They get the compensation that they were looking for. The Panthers were kind of in QB. No, they didn't really have any plan at QB because they probably aren't going to be able to trade with Atlanta and in interdivision trade to get a quarterback at four. And even then you're getting probably the fourth best quarterback. Um, and outside of that, it was like Darnold was pretty much the only option. So they made a lot of sense. And then you can read into, 
Uh, Matt Rule is obviously a big fan of Sam Darnold. They have the connection with Robbie Anderson. Um, I, I'm I'm happy for Sam. I think he's going to get a fresh start in Carolina, and I think he'll, I think he'll be be relatively good. I mean, maybe maybe good's a, a bit of a stretch. I think he's going to be a solid. NFL quarterback. I think he is a starter in this league and I think he will be the quarterback of the Panthers um, for the foreseeable future, excuse me. And they did end up picking up his fifth year option or the the report is that they will, um, which is a bit of a commitment. It it does show that they are committing to Sam Darnold for at least the next two seasons. Uh, Michael, before I guess we talk about the jet side of things, let's talk about the Sam Darnold side of things. And I guess the Panther side of things, how do you feel that the fit for Sam Darnold is? Do you think that his career can rebound because you're pretty low on him? Do you think you were just low on him because it made no sense for the jets to bring him back? Um, or do you think that he really is not a good NFL quarterback or can't be a good NFL quarterback? Well, I think he definitely can be. I, I just think the main thing for me has been that this past season, I think too many people have sort of grouped this past season right in with his entire career story when in reality 2020 was nothing like 2018 2019 the story people like to tell about Sam Darnold is the weapons the coaching offensive line all this stuff which was all true just a a terrible job bad very bad job by the Johnsons hiring Gase um, by Mike McCagnan the way he built around him and then throw a little bit on Douglas too for not fully committing to helping him out in the 2020 offseason but with all that being said 2020 was not like 2018 2019 those two seasons he was about 50 50 in terms of he would have some terrible games but then he would have some games where he was really really good and you could see that potential we saw it the last four games of 2018 and a few games at the beginning of that season the season opener against detroit the denver game the colts game so he had i would say like seven really good games as a rookie then you go to 2019 cowboys game fantastic then he has that four game to me, four game stretch in, in this, in terms of the stats, he had giants, Washington Raiders, three great games, but I thought he's great or very good against the Bengals too, even though his stats weren't good. Then he had a very good game against the Ravens on prime time. So that's maybe six good games that season. So, but then you go to this season and he didn't really have a single standout game the entire year. Right. Obviously they beat, the Browns and the Rams but he wasn't very good in either of those games and throughout the season he just didn't have any good games the season was a lot different than those first two those flashes weren't there and the support was arguably better in my opinion the offensive line was not as bad as the first two seasons Denzel Mims brought an element they didn't really have the first two years either and he was open plenty throughout the season Darnold missed him a lot so I think that's the biggest thing for me this past season was not like the first two if Darnold played the way he did in 2018, 2019, when I was a huge fan of him after both of those seasons, then he would probably still be a jet and there would be a, it would feel very good. There would be a good chance that he could turn it around, but this season was just extremely bad regardless of the support or anything. So I think that's the biggest thing for me. I don't think enough people sort of give enough attention to how bad he was this season and it, it was tough to watch because I had so much hope for him. I literally wrote a hundred reasons to believe in him. Um, so yeah, it, it was tough to watch. To... It was strange, but he was very bad. So that's the biggest thing. But can he turn it around? Of course he can. I think the question is, because I don't think he'll ever have a season as bad as 2020. That's almost guaranteed because he was that bad. But how good is he going to be? Is he going to be an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater? Is he going to be more than Kirk Cousins? Is 
that's the question is right because you want an elite quarterback in this league if you're just getting a guy who needs if if your quarterback needs great surroundings to be good then how much value is he actually adding to your team you want your quarterback to lift the team up you want to be able to win when your receivers are out you want to be able to have a quarterback you can have for five ten years and you compete every single year regardless of the quality of the rest of the team if your quarterback needs a great offensive line, needs great receivers, needs a great coach, needs the perfect system to be great, then what is he actually bringing to your team? And that's the big question, I think. That's why you move on from Darnold and try to get that guy with Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. So he'll definitely be better in Carolina. I think he'll put up pretty decent numbers this year, but will he turn out to be an answer for the Panthers? Will he become an elite quarterback in this league? I'm going to bet no, just based on the fact that quarterbacks who produce the way Darnold has through the first three seasons of their career, it's extremely low odds of success. There are some guys who figured it out, Alex Smith, Eli Manning, right. Drew Brees. Um, but those got for every one of those guys, there are about 10 failures who started the same way and didn't turn it around. So I don't think he'll be elite, but I do think he will figure out a way to have a long NFL. I think he'll have a Ryan Fitzpatrick sort of career. I think he'll last a long time and he's going to be very streaky. He's going to play for a lot of teams. He'll have some very good seasons here and there and he'll, but he'll just not be consistent enough to really stick as someone's franchise quarterback. So I think that's what he'll probably amount to be in the league, but is that potential there for him to be elite? I guess there, there probably is still a sliver of hope, but 38 starts in the books over 1200 passes and we haven't we've only seen regression uh, the odds aren't looking good but of course he definitely that possibility exists and I think the Panthers are a good place Joe Brady helped uh, did a great job last year with Teddy Bridgewater helped him have um, our, I would say arguably his best season as a full-time starter um, they have a very good receiver trio with DJ Moore Robbie Anderson had a breakout season last year uh, and Curtis Sam, well, Curtis Samuel went to Washington, but they do still have Robbie and DJ Moore, and McCaffrey's coming back, so they have a nice group of weapons. Right, uh, they have some decent pieces on their O line. It's a good place for him, so he'll definitely have a better shot than he did uh, at least the first two seasons. I'm I'm still going to contend that 2020 he had, other than Adam Gase, is obviously a big detriment in terms of players. I think it was decent enough for him to not be as bad as he was. Right. Uh, this past season but I, i'd say the panthers are still probably a better situation than the 2020 team um but but we'll see what happens the biggest thing for me is how much is he going to lift his team up is he going to be a guy who just ebbs and flows with what with the quality of the team around him or is he going to figure it out to the point where he's really an answer really a guy who lifts the team up around him because that's what you want to have your quarterback yeah i'm excited to see him with joe brady um i do think that, that Brady is obviously an up-and-coming bright NFL offensive mind, a guy who interviewed for some head coaching gigs and will probably end up being a head coach in this league. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I will end up ultimately cheering for, for Sam Donald. I mean, he's such a good guy and easy to root for. And it's well, well, I mean, as a Jets fan, we have the Panthers oh, okay. picks. Right. Well, I don't I know guess if I'll, I'll be rooting for him. I guess I'll be rooting for him individually, but um, I guess you're right. The, the team as a whole, we could we could use that second-round pick to be, you know, maybe, maybe top 10 of the round, maybe at least the, the top half of it. Um, but... Going back to kind of what you said a little bit earlier about Adam Gase, there was a crux in his career between 2019 and 28 in 2020 um, in retrospect that we believed at the end of 2019, okay, this is it. He's going to take the next step. And a lot of the reasons were, well, even though we don't love Adam Gase and me and you kind of both 
knew he was a lame. Everybody knew he was a lame duck head coach. There wasn't really many scenarios or there weren't many scenarios where Gase was going to really turn it around and be the long-term head coach of the Jets and win Super Bowls here. We kind of already knew that, but in our, in our breakdown of Sam Darnold and our breakdown of Gase, we said, well, we know this, that Darnold will for the first time in his career have a second year in the system. Um, so presumably he's going to be a lot more comfortable with the offense, which we figured was maybe a big part of some of his, his failures in 2019 was he just wasn't comfortable. But now this offense is his Gase talked about it, how Sam Darnold is, is making the offense uh, his own um, in retrospect. Do you think that decision, and it's easier to say that the Jets should have fired Adam Gase after 2019. Do you think that was the wrong decision to bring back Adam Gase? And that sounds like a dumb question, but going back to the way we saw it last year, it was like, well, obviously we don't like gays. We just want to cut ties with them, but they did finish six and two. They finished seven and nine. You don't have to, to pull the carpet under Darnold and you give him another year in the same system. Um, and we saw some promise towards the end of the year. Do you think that was ultimately the, the right thinking? Or do you think that the judge should have recognized that, look, this Adam Gay system, no matter how many times he can say that Sam Donald's making his own, it just didn't fit Sam Donald's strengths. I mean, we just know it. I mean, he, it was a system built for Peyton Manning, essentially, and that's just not who Donald is. Even if Donald hits his elite ceiling, he's never going to be Peyton Manning. That's just, he's a backyard football quarterback and that was the uh, the antithesis of what adam gase's offense was so looking back do you think that the jets ultimately hurt sam darnold's career because we were talking about well there's the COVID offseason and and look at a guy like baker mayfield he's not going to have much time to learn the whole offseason he's going to go right into the regular season no preseason but it turned out really well for baker he had a, a much better year than 2019 and it turned out to be the, the right decision do you think that's ultimately what doomed sam darnold with the jets was the decision to bring back adam gase well, you let me know what you think. I'll give my opinion, but it, it is, I think, hindsight to look back on it in that way, because for the most part, I think we all agreed, you know, six and two finish. He showed progress in the second half of the season. Let's value continuity. But in, I guess in hindsight, continuity with a bad thing isn't really something right. you want. I think that even though they, the six and two, one of the biggest things about that 2019 season is that the six and two finish was something they shouldn't have really it's not something you want to put too much confidence in because it was one of the worst six and two finishes you could have they beat uh the giants not a good team raiders not a good team washington not a good team um steelers were a 500 team with two very bad quarterbacks and the bills were resting their starters and they barely won most of those games and they also and, and the defense won. lost to the winless Bengals. And the defense won most of those games and the offense was still bad. So I don't think there was really, in terms of the offense, any progress to look at. That was Greg Williams's defense for the most part, carrying those games. And, and in the games where Darnold did play well, a lot of it, like the Ravens game, that wasn't schemed up good offense. That was Darnold being ridiculous. Um, right. And a few of those other games as well. So I, it, it's hindsight. Cause I definitely, I don't think I thought this at the time I was probably, I was definitely on the train of, valuing the continuity but it in retrospect in retrospect they really should have fired him after they started one and seven that season after right. they lost to the winless dolphins but um it, it's hindsighted but i right. think that now that it's all said and done that it probably would have been best to just even though it was a COVID off season even though it would be his third coach that just you know he's adam gaze just get him out two straight even though you you have continuity, it's not good to have continuity right. with, with something that's bad. Yeah, I think there's two trains of thought. And the one, which is clearly the one that the Jets chose, is 
in order to have success in the NFL, you have to be patient. You know, you have to have a plan and stick to it and try to build, you know, because the last 10 years, the way the Jets have operated really before Joe Douglas was, it was kind of like they were just driving with the blindfold on. They didn't really ever have a succinct plan. They weren't drafting players to come into an, an organization um, that, that had a, a specific plan for them. It, when they would come to the draft and free agency, they were just trying to add either the best player on their board or the flashy offensive skill positions or big money signings and stuff like that. And in order to become a great team, you have to become a good team first. I mean, that's why Joe Douglas is emphasizing the importance of, of building the offensive line, because, you know, you take a, a, a team with a good offensive line and let's just say everything else is bad. They're still going to win some games. They're still going to be a solid team, but you have a team that has a terrible offensive line. And then you go and sign a Levy on bell, or you go and, uh, bring in a big money wide receiver or something, you're not going to get success. And so the, the Jets under Douglas, I like that they they have a plan, that they're following it, that they're drafting players with a role in mind, that they're drafting not only the best player available, but the best player for the New York Jets. If the Jets are picking at 23, if a safety is the best player on their board, it doesn't make any sense to take a safety. You know, they should look at offensive linemen that fit John Benton's scheme. They should look at corners that fit Robert Sala's defense and Jeff Ulbricht's defense. And that's the way they were building. And that's only recently. So I think when you go back to that decision, they were under the mindset of, you know, let's build with continuity. Let's not rip the carpet under from Darnold. We like the progress that he's shown. Let's just give him another season with the same offense. So he doesn't, he's not, you know, spending the entire offseason trying to study it. Instead, he's spending the entire offseason just getting even more comfortable with it and building it up. And I agree with you. I think in retrospect, it, it, it really, it really did hurt him because I think it, it, it forced him to develop some scars. I think he, that's going to be the most interesting thing about his time in Carolina is how much can Joe Brady just erase his memory and get him back to that, um, that guy coming out of USC. I mean, that's going to be Joe Brady's number one task is he's going to have to sit down with them and say, forget everything you've learned. Um, because we saw it building with Adam Gase and having that continuity, it didn't help anything. I mean, they, he developed a lot of bad habits. He was scared. He, his play clock, um, was rattled. He lost a lot of the things that made him special in 2018. So it's, it's tough. I feel bad for Sam. And of course the jets are in this position again, yet again, where they're trying to draft the replacement for Joe Namath. And by the way, I mean, kind of you know, ignoring Ken O'Brien and Chad Pennington and maybe Mark Sanchez for two years there. I mean, they've had some good quarterback seasons, but here we are again, looking for the franchise savior. I feel bad for Darnold, but ultimately uh, this was definitely the right uh, decision. And when you look at the jet side of things, Michael, I mean, you talked about how they got a lot more value than you thought they would, but I guess, can you just speak to maybe the process uh, to getting here? I mean, I think we all thought, at the beginning of the season, okay, maybe they can get a two for him. And then in the last few weeks, it seems like, okay, maybe they'll get a three for him. But a six, a two, and a four, I feel like that's a really good haul for this team. It's it's the quantity over quality. But even they're getting good quality in those in those second and fourth round draft picks, particularly the second round draft pick. And now the Jets are set up with even more ammo. Um, how do you feel about this team moving forward and, and using all these picks? Because obviously, I mean, it's a cliche, but you have to hit on these picks, but the jets have really set themselves up to be in a nice situation with a QB on a rookie contract and all these picks and even cap space to build around him. So I guess from the jets perspective, can you just talk me through how you're feeling? I, I mean, I think in terms of the package, it really just seems like Carolina was really high on them. They were apparently talking about it for, 
I think the report was that after the Ohio State Pro Day is when this when the talk sort of started. So which, you know, plays right into what we heard that the Jets were going to go through their process before accelerating the Darnold trade. So it seems like once they were sold on Wilson and Fields from seeing them in person, that's when they uh, decided to go through with it. But it really just seems like the Panthers have a lot of faith in them. The fact that I'm very surprised that they're accepting their uh, his fifth year option. I didn't think whoever, and that was what was interesting about trying to find a landing spot was that it didn't seem like any team was going to want to commit themselves to that almost $19 million guaranteed in 2022 for a guy who probably wouldn't be starting for you. And just is coming off of a really bad season last year, but it seems like they're all in on him. They're going to try to move Bridgewater. Uh, and if they can, Darnold's probably going to start anyway, because uh, they might also restructure his deal if they can't move him. So it seems like they're all in on Darnold, which is an interesting move for sure. It'll definitely be one of the more intriguing storylines in the league, especially from our perspective. Um, but I, I think it'll be really interesting to see how they, the Panthers change his play style or how, how his play style develops over there. Because one of the most notable things about his decline this year is that his issues a lot of the same issues expanded from the previous years, but there are also new problems that he didn't have the past few years. When we were talking about him after 2019, we did a few film breakdown episodes. One of the main themes was that he's consistently too aggressive. He wouldn't check the ball down quick enough. He, he'd be too late to get to his check down. He would try and uh, uh, like the more, the most aggressive option available when there was something easier available underneath things like that. But in 2020, it really kind of developed to the opposite. A lot of the time he was taking the safer option when there was something really good available down the field. There's a play against the Rams where uh, Denzel Mims went uncovered on a go round. There's space between the, the, the deep safety and the flat, the corner and the flat and Darnold decides to scramble. Instead, there's a play against the Browns where uh, it was one of, it was a high, low read on a rollout. Mims was wide open uh, about 15 yards down the field, Crowder was covered uh, in the flat, about eight yards downfield. He throws to Crowder. Things like that were not mistakes he would make in his first two years. He was a very aggressive quarterback, one of the most aggressive quarterbacks in the league. And then in 2020, his main problem becomes that he's a game manager. So it will be interesting to see how the Panthers try to, A, get him back to that aggressive play style, but B, he still has to master that aspect of it because even though he was aggressive his first years, he still wasn't necessarily good at that yet because he still had to, to control it and harness it to the point where he's not turning the ball over as much to where he's checking the ball down, where he needs to check it down instead of taking a low percentage shot downfield. So it's going to be a process with him. They, you want to get him back to being the style player that he was, but even once you do do that, he still has work to do from that point because he wasn't a finished product yet the first two years, even though he was a lot better and a lot more promising than this past season. So it seems like the Panthers are really high on him. Uh, will be interesting to see how they mold Darnold and try to get him to be their franchise quarterback. I'm curious to see how much better than Teddy Bridgewater he's going to be. I mean, clearly based off 2020, and you said it earlier, I don't think that the quarterback we saw in 2020 is who Sam Darnold is. I do believe that he battled through more injuries, maybe more than we knew. I think that the scars were certainly evident. So I think some of those you you can teach away, and that's going to come down to Joe Brady and Matt Rule. I think the scheme will probably fit him better. He's going to be surrounded by more talent. But at the end of the day, kind of like you said, for him to even hit the level of being a top 15 quarterback, 
compared on his, uh, based off his first three seasons would have to be pretty astronomical, maybe not astronomical, but it would have to be a pretty big leap for him. Um, and even if he can hit it, I mean, yeah, how much better than Teddy Bridgewater can he be? How can he be worth the 20 million um, that he's going to cost him in 2022? I mean, that's what's interesting to me. And the, the fact that they're picking up his fifth year option, they're basically saying that he is going to be their quarterback for the next two years. So if he is absolutely terrible next year, they're in a really tough spot. Um, if they pick up that fifth year option, I think before when he was coming out, the player that I compared him to, not necessarily as like a, as a play style, but just the type of quarterback I, I saw him being was an Eli Manning and, and remove the Super Bowls from this equation, but just kind of that mid-level guy who can get streaky, kind of like you were saying with Fitzpatrick can get hot and put together stretches of games. But at the end of the day, he can be fairly inconsistent. He's going to turn the ball over. He's never going to be truly elite. Um, I'm just, I'm fascinated to see, the type of career that he's going to have post Adam Gase and post jets. I do think you're going to see him return more to that 2018, 2019 Darnold. The question is, is how much better can he get? Um, and is he going to be worth the money? Now, when we look at what the jets are going to do it to now, it's, there's no question about it. The jets are going to make the right decision that trading Darnold resetting on the rookie contract, fresh start. You have a new coach. Don't hold, don't hold on to, it wasn't even Joe Douglas's quarterback. It was Mike McCagney's quarterback. So now you're fully in the Joe Douglas, Robert Sala vision. You're picking at two. Obviously we have the next few weeks to discuss this, but you're, it seems like you're kind of on the fence with Fields and Wilson that you don't really have a guy. And we talked about yeah. this in, in the mm -hmm. podcast. It'll talk that, that'll come out later this week, but your gut feeling, I mean, who do you think is Sam Darnold's replacement and who do you think Joe Douglas will tab to be the Jets franchise quarterback? Well, I definitely think it's going to be Wilson. That seems like what all signs are pointing to, don't you think? Yeah, no, I, I, I think that. I, I agree with that, even though me and you both kind of think that Fields should not be discounted in that in that equation. Yeah, I, I think the biggest um, sign for Fields is I think the culture aspect of it. I could really see, uh, in terms of building the Robert Sala identity, I think Wilson, or Fields is sort of a better fit for that. Not that Wilson isn't a good fit for it, for it too, but I just think Fields is better in terms of just the big game, uh, the big game uh, mentality, the, the leadership stuff, all that intangible stuff. I feel like Fields sort of has the edge. They're both pretty good in that area, but uh, it does seem like right. Wilson is going to be their guy and that they're not necessarily, not that Fields couldn't, I feel like he can run almost any kind of offense in the league. I don't think he's necessarily tethered to being an rpo sort of quarterback this this guy can play quarterback he can make uh, i'm gonna use the stupid phrase that everyone uses he can make all the throws he can work from the pocket um he's not a guy who just runs around with the ball he's a great quarterback i think he could fit anywhere honestly obviously you want to put him in a system where you emphasize the special things he can do as the runner, but I think he can fit anywhere if any team wanted him. Um, but with that being said, I think Wilson is probably more so what they're looking for because I don't think they are really going to want to commit to building that kind of offense around fields. I don't necessarily think that's what LaFleur is looking to do. So Wilson's probably a better fit for running sort of what the Niners ran and a combination of not just that, also what you see with uh, his brother in Green Bay. So it was sort of both of those philosophies. It will be interesting to see how much of the Shanahan offense with the Niners and then also the Matt LaFleur offense with the Packers. And between those two, two things, it seems like Wilson is the better fit. But uh, I, I wouldn't rule out fields. These two guys yeah. are both so great. And even though we've seen a few reports going that way, uh, for the most part, we know that Joe Douglas has kept the ship 
very tight and covered throughout his tenure here. It's been hard to get any leaks out of them. So even though we've seen a few in that it is the smartest bet to go with those, I wouldn't lock it down just yet. And remember the 2018 draft when Darnold was a Cleveland Brown for four and a half or three and a half months. Uh, and then the last second, Baker Mayfield is the guy, Darnold's a jet. So yeah, you um, saying that's going to happen with Trevor Lawrence? It would, that would be so how about that imagine that happen i wouldn't rule it i mean i don't think it's gonna happen but i'd say that there's there's a one percent chance maybe i mean the I zach wilson is there a one percent chance because i feel like urban meyer sort of talking about him like he's uh, his yeah, quarterback I already i guess i would say that there are people who have wilson above lawrence i mean look at chris sims but i think you're right i think lawrence is gonna go number one i think you're the, the point you raise about douglas keeping the ship tight is an important one because we really don't have any idea who the jets are gonna take we said this in the, and the podcast doesn't come out yet, but I, I mentioned that I it wouldn't completely utterly out of this world. Shock me if the jets took Trey Lance and you're like, well, that would be pretty shocking. And it would be surprising, but we really don't know who their preference is. Um, I, I kind of get what you're saying. I do feel like fields could come into an NFL locker room, at least at the, at the start. And I feel like he could relate better to the locker room. I feel like he probably would be the, is probably the natural or the better natural leader at this point. But Zach Wilson is just, so talented and it's you have to remember to to evaluate outside of the weaker competition and just look at the player that you're you're watching and and when you watch him you do see Mahomes you do see Kyler Murray you do see Josh Allen you do see that new age quarterback and um but I think the overall point I have here is that I trust Joe Douglas I feel like you know he hasn't made every move correctly but I feel like overall he's the best GM the Jets have had in a long time I feel like he has a plan he's certainly in that Ozzie Newsome mold and I and I fully trust um, the, the decision that he's going to make here. Look, this is an amazing quarterback class. There's a very good chance that four quarterbacks are going to go to start the entire draft. And so it's a perfect position for the Jets. Um, and they should end up getting a, a, a winner with this pick. I guess, Michael, to close this, because we're probably not going to talk too much about Sam Darnold after this episode. I want your favorite underrated, your favorite underrated Sam Darnold moment um, of his entire career. Well, I, I definitely know some underrated games. I mentioned the Bengals game. Okay, Ravens but that's not, that's not your favorite. I want your Okay, I'm making up my own not. question. I'm making up my own question because I didn't have an answer to yours. Thanks. <laughs> um, underrated moment. I All right, do you have one? Because you came up with this question. How about do you you, you mention yours? I'll try to think. No, generally, generally what happens is I just think of these questions on the fly and then you answer them and I think of my answer. Oh, but, so it's actually the other way around, but yeah. I'm turning it back on you. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I think the the Texans game probably. I, I would say the Texans but game. you said no right. games. You said moment. Oh, well, a moment is a, okay, fine. You I said one moment. the game and then you all told right, me. All right, all right, all right. All right, simmer it down. Um, probably his touchdown, uh, 2019 in Baltimore to Jameson Crowder. That to me, I mean, like the obvious one is the Robbie Anderson bomb against Cal against Dallas, but the throw he made against Jameson Crowder really had me optimistic for the season that he was going to have in 2020. Obviously it didn't pan out, but I mean, that's the story of Donald's career is he's just had so many, so many of those wow moments. And then so many of those, Oh my God, he's terrible moments. And just nothing really in between. It's just so erratic. And so I think that does give Carolina hope that they can be the ones to get that, that consistency out of him. But obviously in 2020, we saw more, Oh my God, he terrible moments than wow. 
Um, but yeah, as far as my favorite moment, or I guess we'll, we'll, I guess we can boil it down to play. I would say the throw he made to, to Jamison Crowder in the back corner of the end zone against Baltimore. I thought that was just a, a perfect example of the type of player he is. I mean, he's had a lot of those throws, the one against San Francisco and Indianapolis this year. He had the, the play against Oakland in 2019, a lot of those kind of backyard football, insanely accurate throws, but that one against Baltimore to me was like, all right, this guy's legit. He can play on prime time on the road against a, a perennial winner. Um, and play like an NFL quarterback. Unfortunately, that was probably the last good game in my eyes that he really had. So, you know, it's it's a sad story for Darnold, but look, in the end, he's going to make a boatload of money. He's going to have another job, even if he fails in Carolina. Um, and I and I do think he's I think he's going to have a solid career in Carolina. And I, it's the best best case scenario for him because I think it's a lot easier for him to clean up a lot of those scars in a new place, get that fresh start than it would be to come into New York where look, there's going to be fans this year. They're going to be booing him the first interception he throws. It's just going to be hard for him to get through a lot of those mental barriers. I think that we saw go to Carolina, a smaller market, a great offensive mind and Joe Brady and a great team. And I think you're going to see a really good quarterback come out of there, but yeah, favorite moment, Baltimore uh, to Jameson Crowder. I, I do have some underage moments. Uh, a lot of them are from 2018. Uh, okay. That Patriots game in week 17, He, I think he was pretty good. He didn't put up any stats. Uh, he even put up like the same stats as Bryce Petty did the year before, but he was way better. He had a great throw to Chris Herndon in the end zone that was dropped. He had a great um, deep ball, Trenton Cannon, that was dropped. Um, Deontay Burnett? Yeah, he had a few dimes to Deontay Burnett in that game. Uh and, and just not underrated, but the Robbie Anderson touchdown against the Cowboys, that was one of my peak Jets fan moments. That was absolutely How sad amazing. is that? <laughs> That's um, one of the peaks? Yes, that was great. That, that was, was great, but fun. we were like 0-5. <laughs> That's why it was fun, because it was just it was like wiping away everything we had dealt with the first four uh, four games of the season. So that was a great moment, too. So I thank him for that. Well, folks, I think I think we're done here with the emergency. Wait, I have, I have one more question. Podcast. I want yeah. I want to know your opinion on this. Hit so the, the Jets tweeted out, um, uh, they had a tweet with a picture that says, thank you, Sam. Do you think he is, or thank you for everything, Sam. Do you think he is deserving of that? Yeah, I think you could amend that tweet. I think he is deserving of the tweet because the subtext there is, thank you for everything you put up with, Sam, is the real um, tweet there. I mean, look, Joe Douglas promised his parents that he was going to surround Sam with, with talent and playmakers. And obviously that wasn't really in the cards for 2020. I think he probably planned to build upon it in 2021, but he put up with a lot of shit with this organization. And, and as I said, it's, it's a win, win, win. I, I, I would feel worse about trading away Sam. If I honestly didn't think this was the best thing that could happen for him. I mean, I really do think going to Carolina is, is going to be a lifesaver for his career. Even if he goes to Carolina and has success, and the Jets draft a quarterback. And, and you know, let's be positive. Let's say they both have success. Some people are going to say, well, why didn't the Jets just stick with Sam Darnold? They could have traded back and built around him even more. But the thought process behind, obviously, the rookie contract and all that, all the things we already talked about. But I just believe that Sam Darnold probably wasn't going to figure it out in New York. I just think it's a tough market. I think the scars are there. I think the only way that he's going to be successful on a full quarterback is with a completely clean slate. So I think that's, yeah, I think that tweet's necessary. I mean, look, he was the guy that was promised as as the savior of the franchise and the franchise really let him down. And he wasn't. Yeah, but I would say the franchise let him down. I I, I would say the franchise let him down more than he let us out. I I know he's a a fantastic guy, has never said a mean thing in his life, was – 
fantastic year with the media. I know he worked very hard, all that great stuff. But at the end of the day, this guy had the worst passer rating in the NFL last season. He never had 20 uh, touchdown passes in a season. I don't think that a guy who was the worst player at his position last year deserves a thank you tweet. I honestly just don't oh. think that he does. <laughs> You're a cold, heartless bastard, Michael. I mean, I don't, I don't think he does. He wanted, he wanted what to... are we thanking him for? 13 I wins in three I seasons. It's not for what he did. It's for what he had to put up with. That's what you're thanking him for. So why don't we thank Joe Flacco, too? He had to put up no, with it. No, 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 no. It's different. He was the young prodigal. You know, he, he was the young prodigy that came to save us, and we failed him more than he failed us. Let's be honest here. I mean, I agree that he didn't live up to his billing. I think that he was, in retrospect, not as good of a prospect as we thought he was, not as good as a quarterback as we thought he was. But at the end of the day, uh, the Jets failed him. I mean, let's be honest here. And I, I still agree. I still agree. But I just I you wouldn't you wouldn't have tweeted anything. I wouldn't. No. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I guess we're just different there. I, I would mean, just tweet that, that the trade happened and just move on from it. I think you deserve to thank you. I mean, they're not taking out a full page ad in the New York Times. I mean, they're just they're just tweeting. I don't know. Things. I think they will. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, well, that's going to do it for us. Um, as I mentioned, we're going to have another podcast coming out this week. What's it? This is going to come out Tuesday. So hold on. Before we finish, I just have to say, I'm, I don't want to seem too anti Darnold. I just don't. Uh, that, think... that ship sailed like seven months ago. I, I just don't think that a thank you tweet is warranted. That's all. Like, he's a great guy. That's, I mean, that's, your, that's your parting shot to Sam Darnold. Best of luck. He doesn't even I, deserve I, a thank I you. I don't think the thank you tweet. Would is, you have tweeted out maybe we're tweet. sorry? <laughs> Maybe that I would mean, be better than thank you. Maybe that would be better. Yeah, I guess. We're sorry, Sam. We All have right. to check on other teams who have gotten rid of uh, quarterbacks who weren't good. Who's an example of a Mitch Trubisky. Uh, like, did the Bears give him a thank you tweet? I, I don't I think so. He, won, he actually got to the playoffs. Thank you, Mitch. Bears Twitter. Nothing comes up here. This is... Yeah, he got. Yeah, he did. Oh no, never mind. This is not not an official Bears. Yeah, okay, never mind. I don't think he did. Oh no, he didn't. I'm seeing people uh, complain about him not getting one. See, he was more. Uh, our, he was more productive than Darnold okay, was. Yeah, okay. Got him right, to the playoffs. <laughs> Hater. Well, let's just hope the Jets don't repeat the same mistake. I mean, I, I really don't think they will. I think the Jets are in a, a fantastic position here. Let's just. Um, just hope in the future we don't need to give thank you tweets to quarterbacks who win an average of four games a year. Oh my god, I, I, I can't wait till this team is good because the, <laughs> the, the losing Jets version of Michael Nania is is hard. I mean, you're a realist, so I mean, I guess we I haven't guess you're seen right. any other versions. I guess that's true. I don't, I didn't know you and the Jets were good at all, not even 2015. So I'm excited. I think, I think this year they're going to be okay, and then I think the year after that they're going to be a good football team. So only only two more years <laughs> and then we'll be in that position where I can see positive Michael Nania tweets all the time. Um, but that's going to do it for us. Um, you can follow us at TYJ pod on Twitter. You can follow myself, Ben W. Blessington, Michael, Michael underscore Nania. Find us podcast, Raven Listen podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Jets, X Factor, the best place to go for Jets content. Um, I guess just, uh, let's just hope the Jets don't make this mistake again. I mean, it, they're in a position with a young quarterback again, probably Zach Wilson. The ship has been tight with Douglas, but considering Todd McShay and Daniel Jeremiah are acting like it's a shoe in and those are too close. I don't want to say confidants, but maybe guys who are very experienced with Joe Douglas and former scouts. Um, I would imagine Wilson's probably going to be the guy. So 
they have an opportunity to really turn it around and, and we'll see if they can. I just, I, I feel bad for Sam. I feel bad for this whole, the, the way this whole situation turned out, but I think it's best for all parties. And like you said, it, it, Sam does de- deserve to shoulder some blame because this year he was pretty underwhelming. Michael, any last words before we get out of here? And I think this may be the last, I mean, not the last time, but this is, we're not really going to talk about Sam Darnold anymore. Considering this podcast was pretty much built on the back of, of talking about Sam Darnold, the hundred re- reasons why to believe in Sam Darnold, looking at Sam Darnold film and, I mean, it, it's a it's a new era for the Cooler Jets podcast. So, any any last uh, wisdom about Sam Darnold? Maybe you can l- rattle off a hundred reasons not to believe in him. And I can. I'm honestly you. pretty pretty relieved that this is over. Which is no disrespect to him, but it it, it just got to the point with this season um, that it just wasn't really fun because you know it was just a lot of animosity with the debates about him, and it always it was there's it's so hard to see him it's just hard to project him being good because of it's, it's just all hope. So that was the hardest thing. Like you just hope and hope and hope and it just never really came and it still could in Carolina or maybe even elsewhere, but it, it was getting tiresome to just, so just to start clean and have, you know, to get, start this over with and hopefully with better support than Darnold got because the jets did. And that, that's the biggest takeaway from this whole thing is don't make your first pick after trading up uh, to select a quarterback, Nathan Shepard. Um, that can't, that's not how you build around your quarterback. Don't not select any offensive linemen. Don't not sign any wide receivers. Don't draft our Darius Stewart and Chad Hansen. Yeah, do better. That, that, you got to do better than that. So that's the biggest lesson from all this. Do a better job of building around uh, your franchise quarterback. At the yeah. same time, if Darnold were as special as the Jets, at least to this point, as special as Jets hoped for him to be, then he wouldn't have been as bad as he was this past season. He would have been competent like the first two seasons. But So he does deserve a pretty decent share of the blame for 2020. But for the most part, this is all product of um, bad hires, bad drafting, neglecting important positions around the quarterback. And that can't happen. And it's not happening. The Jets are already doing a great job of reversing that. They last draft in 2020 already put more um, picks or more points on the draft trade chart into O-line and wide receiver than McCagden did his entire tenure, just with Becton and Denzel Mims. They signed Corey Davis. Um, they signed George Fant last year. Uh, obviously, O-line didn't go too well. Hey, for hey, it's this a, it's year, a hell of an but, O-line draft, though. Um, but it's a great O-line class, and they'll have their chances. So they're already reversing their woes of last season. And Michael Floor is much better of an offensive coordinator than we, we hope. Bates or Adam Gase, we hope. Um, but definitely brings a, a more modern pedigree than either than the mountain climber um, and the guy who was sniffing also, smelling salt in the preseason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Jets are already doing a great job of reversing all the mistakes they made with Sam Darnold. So those would be my biggest takeaways with Sam Darnold. Take seriously building around your quarterback, A. Uh, and B, look, I think Sam Darnold, he's a great guy, but let's – Let's put some blame on him for 2020. He all made right, a right, lot of mistakes all right, all right. that were on him and all cannot right, be blamed right. to anyone else. I but regret but good luck. Good luck. But good, good luck, luck in Carolina. But not too much because we have your team's draft pick. Yeah. So I hope you know what? You know what underrated thing I'm, I'm excited about with this news officially being done is that the Jets next year will have a quarterback who doesn't wear long sleeve jerseys. I think it's honestly a terrible look. So I'm, I'm excited to watch the, the tight fitting jersey and maybe. Uh, a single digit number two, which I think looks better in these unis. These are the things that really matter as a Jets fan. These are the things you really have well, to. Zach play. Wilson has worn long sleeves. In some no, 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 not 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 the undershirt. The the jersey itself. 
know what I'm talking about? You know, Darnold had like the baggy jerseys like Eli Manning used to wear. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Always bothered me. I, I think in these new jerseys it just doesn't look as good because the, the shoulder stripe gets all like uh, wiggly. Like it just doesn't look right. Like you look like Braxton, Braxton Berrios's jersey. You know, it's always tight and like the, the shoulder stripe really comes together. It looks like an airplane. These are the things that, that really matter. Also, we could be seeing single digit numbers at, at other positions yeah. as well. There's that big news. Yeah, I know. Are well, you a supporter of that? I'm definitely a supporter of that. It's going to be weird for the first few years, but why not? I mean, it's such a dumb rule. I, I think it's because like the refs need to identify, want to make it easier. Yeah, for the I, I mean, I'm kind of used to it but... in the NFL. Like it kind of helps you identify like who's who, like especially on defense. Like you want to see is that a linebacker or cornerback, but you can tell by the body type, I guess. And we're already in college football. It's always been that way. So it'll take some getting used to, but there will be some really cool looks and, and it also bring a lot more variability to positions because with, with how limited the selection is, like you have a lot of star players at the same position who have the same number, like how many great, I'm not that quarterback is changing, but just as an example, there's so many number 12s at quarterback. And then you look at receiver, there are so many, you know, number 15s and 17s. But so this should, you know, yeah, now we're going to give guys of- some more individuality. All right. I, I agree with that. Um, the other thing with the unis is this is going to be the first year where they're, I mean, hopefully where they're actually the uniforms that we thought they were going to be. Cause this year it's. Yeah. Like actually 20... in pure form. You had right. the, the 100 logo in 2019. Um, you had the patch last year. So hopefully we get the actual. <laughs> this is so depressing. This year. <laughs> this is so sad. These are the things we really care about, but. Oh, boy. Well, the Adam Gase era is officially over. The Mike McCagnan era is officially well, over. Actually, I don't think we're going to be getting the real uniforms because they're going to have to put a patch on it to honor Sam Darnold. All right, all right And his 13 <laughs> wins. <laughs> oh, boy. The Adam Gase over. The, the Adam Gase era is over. The Mike McCagnan era is over. The Sam Darnold era is over. It's officially Joe Douglas and Robert Sala time. No excuses. 21 draft picks over the next two years. An exciting time to be a Jets fan. I think I'm going to say that maybe 17,000 times before the start of the season, but I'm looking forward to it. Only, I think only... you said it both of the last two seasons also, or three. Okay, but I mean it this time. <laughs> I say a lot of shit I don't mean, but this one I actually mean. It's an exciting time. Three more weeks and we'll officially know who Sam Donald's replacement is, but Oh boy. Here we go again. Another, another franchise savior. Um, Thank you for listening folks. And as always, don't let the jets ruin your life. Has to work quickly down to six seconds. Car going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the jets. The middle in the air picked off. Ryan Poole to the end zone. Touchdown. Hunter the beat and the punter brings him down. Brayton man. Saved a touchdown, most likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims.